The Lord be with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came to be through him, and without him nothing came to be. What came to be through him was life, and this life was the light of the human race. A light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. A man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came to be through him, but the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, but his own people did not accept him. But to those who did accept him, he gave power to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not by natural generation, nor by human choice, nor by a man's decision, but of God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we saw his glory. The glory as of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, The one who is coming after me ranks ahead of me, because he existed before me. From his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace. Because while the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only Son, God, who is at the Father's side, has revealed him. The Gospel of the Lord. For myself and on behalf of Father Hill and the parish staff here at St. Agnes, I want to wish all of you a Merry Christmas. I pray God's abundant blessings upon you during this holy season, the season that brings us indeed great joy and great hope. The Lord is born for us. Come, let us adore. Christ has come to us. This is the reason we adore. Today we celebrate the fact that a child is born, but not any child. It's the Son of God, the Word made flesh, the Savior of the world, the true bread that came down from heaven, the light of the world and the hope of all the earth. And it's he who we celebrate today, Jesus, the little one born in the manger for us, the one whose story resonates deeply within our hearts if we allow it the time to speak, one which we are, of course, very familiar. And this can be a good thing, but also it can be a bad thing. How easy it is when we hear something that is familiar to us to simply say, oh yeah, I know that story, and to kind of go on autopilot for what follows. It's important for us often to ask our Lord to help us to hear as if for the first time, to see as if for the first time, to marvel in our hearts at what he has done for us. Today we have the opportunity to do these things, to come and to ask our Lord to do something new 
within us today to allow us to marvel at this great mystery. Our Lord is born for us. A Savior is given to us. And he comes in what we might call very unideal conditions. He comes in the cold and darkest time of the year. He comes in a time where there is suffering. We know from the Christmas stories of the Gospels that Our Lady and St. Joseph were on a pilgrimage, essentially, on our traveling, to be able to go back to Bethlehem, the home of the house of David, because they were to be numbered. A census was being taken, and unlike in our days, they didn't just have an internet form to send off. They had to go to great inconvenience of themselves. The difficulty of traveling, the frustrations of traveling, the homelessness, indeed, as we hear in the gospel of traveling for them. That as they arrive, there's not a place to stay, because everybody, indeed, was moving. There was no more room left in the inn, and the child is born in a manger. It's in the midst of all of these difficulties and crosses and darkness that the Savior of the world is born for us. And this tells us something about who he is. He is one who is not afraid of these things. He is not afraid of the darkness. He's not afraid of the sufferings. He's not afraid of the difficulties and inconveniences of this life. He is one like us in all things except sin. He knows the human experience intimately, not just because he's heard about it or he's from on high kind of watched it unfold, but because he's experienced it. In taking on our flesh, he has experienced all the things that we ourselves experience. And this is a tremendous gift. If our Lord came and lived only in a nice uh, kind of, so to speak, ivory tower and came only at the pleasantest time of the year in the spring when all the flowers are blooming and everything is nice and beautiful and, and has a nice warmth in the air and the sun is, is shining brightly and all, the, all is well, all is at peace, everything is good. It would, might have been difficult for us to accept the fact that he is like us in all things. If he came only when conditions were perfect, it would be easy for us to say, well, well, yeah, but everything was perfect for him. Just in the same way that we can say, well, yeah, you know, call us to be like our Lord, but he's God. We're not, you know, kind of letting ourselves off the hook to some degree. Being able to, to slough off or to separate from the fact of the closeness of Christ to us. But he doesn't come in perfect conditions. He comes in imperfect ones. And this is the whole of our life in so many ways, genuinely. That things are not perfect here because this is not heaven. And it's to us that he comes and desires to bring light to the darkness of our world. There's a wonderful grace of the fact of our Lord being born on December the 25th right near the winter solstice. Some, some people in the world today would simply accuse us as Christians of just picking the December 25th as a kind of an arbitrary day because, well, the pagans had it first in their winter solstice and sun worship. Uh, you know, so us Christians, we just kind of said, yeah, that sounds good. Let's do that. It's foolishness. 
Our Lord was born on the 25th of December, and the ancient traditions of the church speak to this reality. But it's important for us to recognize that there is a spiritual connection that we can contemplate and pray with here. That Christ comes to us right on the tail of the winter solstice, the day that is the longest day of darkness in the year. And beginning with the winter solstice, every day that follows for the next six months gets lighter and lighter and lighter. Longer and longer, more and more radiant with the light of the sun. Indeed, it's only on around June 24th when we celebrate the feast of the nativity of St. John the Baptist, the only other nativity that we celebrate other than our Lord and Our Lady. And on the 24th of, of, of June is, when, is right around the time when we have the summer solstice, fulfilling the words of St. John, I must decrease, he must increase. It is then that the light begins to decrease in the world around us, so that the light of Christ may come and shine in radiance. All of this is a reminder to us that God has done incredible things. If you recall, whenever Adam and Eve fell, it wasn't just the human person that was cursed. It was also the earth. All of creation fell. All of creation now must be redeemed. And our blessed Lord comes at this time to be able to speak that even creation itself, with the birth of Christ, is coming alive again, is being renewed, is being redeemed. The heavens indeed proclaim the glory of God, the radiant Son, Jesus Christ. They speak to us of the fact of him coming to our darkness, coming to the ordinariness in so many ways of our life. And this is something that I came across in a a book reflecting on the reality of Christmas, part of the mysteries of Christmas. And one of the questions that the author asks is something that I had never thought to even consider. Why is it that Easter always gets moved to Sunday, but Christmas travels through the week always stuck to December 25th? When I read the question, I said, hmm, that's a good question. At least I thought it was. I don't know if you do. But it made me wonder. And, of course, the, the, the author continued reflecting, uh, sharing the wisdom of the early church, the wisdom of the church fathers, speaking about the, the fact of, of the resurrection of Christ is important for a specific day, Sunday, the day of the resurrection. Indeed, because it speaks a spiritual reality, that the creation happened in seven days, according to sacred scripture, and on the eighth day, something new happens, resurrection, glory. Something new is at work here. So every single Sunday, we celebrate the fact of the resurrection of our Lord, a new creation, a new beginning, something fresh taking place, something exalted far beyond what we knew before. It is important for us then that Easter always is observed on Sunday. But the nativity of our Lord that travels through the week is a reminder to us that God has come among us to the darkness of the world, to the ordinariness of our life, to all of the things that are outside of the simple Sunday celebration and day of rest, to sanctify them. That indeed God came to bring light. He came to bring hope. 
the, the nativity of our blessed Lord at Christmas is the, is the reminder to us of the fact that Jesus has taken on our flesh and experienced all things like us. And again, starting in the most unideal conditions. And so it's a blessing to us that as we celebrate Christmas, it doesn't always just happen on a Sunday. Today it's Friday. Last year was on a Thursday. Sometimes it's on a Tuesday. Sometimes it does fall on a Sunday. But it cycles through the whole course of the week over the course of years so that every single day of the week would be reminded, we would be reminded at some point that even on Wednesday, the nativity of our Christ changes things. Even on a Monday, God has joined with us, the human race, by taking on our flesh to ransom us to save us, to exalt us. The movement of Christmas is simply the expression in liturgical terms of the fact that God belongs not just on a day, but on every day. And Christmas is something that we can indeed celebrate all through the week. Indeed, through the year, it's celebrated every day in a, in a miniature and veiled way at Holy Mass. The child was born, and he was wrapped in swaddling clothes and then placed in a manger, a feed trough. In every single Mass, a piece of bread has words pronounced over it, and the Word is made flesh right before our eyes in the Eucharist. And then it's not simply wrapped in cloths, but it is placed upon them on the holy altar. The cloths surrounding our blessed Lord and there he who is the bread of heaven that was first laid in a manger but not consumed, thanks be to God, by the animals that were there to feed, for us here he is. The bread come down from heaven becomes the food of the human race. It is our life. He is our salvation. The Eucharist is the fruit of the incarnation. If there is no taking on flesh, there is no body of Christ. Every Mass, a marvel of the fruits of the incarnation of our Lord, a many-veiled Christmas right before our eyes. As we come to offer this Holy Mass, it's an opportunity for us to lift up our hearts to our blessed Lord and to open them, to open them wide, to receive Him. I would encourage all of you to spend some time praying before the nativity, either in your home or here in church during the Christmas season. I was blessed to, to bring our blessed Lord to the nativity here uh, on the side of the altar to be able to, to, to place him in the crib yesterday at the vigil mass. And I was remarking beforehand the, the child has his arms outstretched, ready to be embraced, ready to be picked up and received. And indeed, for all of us, this is his cry. Open your heart to me. Embrace me. Allow me to be loved by you and to love you. Pick me up in so many words and keep me close to your heart. So let us draw close to that loving heart of Jesus, the heart that comes flesh to save us, to ransom us for the Father, to fill us with light, with life, and with hope.